music is a very powerful force, um, which is able, uh, unlike words, to convey just content and information, but is able to convey uh, feelings um, and emotions as well, which is why we discussed last time that um, the way the neshama expresses itself is through music. The language of the soul, the language of the neshama, is through uh, music. Torah is described as a shira. Nevu is precipitated by shira, by, uh, by a nigan. It seems to imply that this is somehow related more to the neshama, perhaps, than uh, words. Words are external, within the external world. The neshama is internal, uh, represents kind of the emotional uh, connection, and that's triggered by music, which is a um, uh, kind of emotional experience. But what is it about music that gives it this property, that gives it this ability? What are the mechanics of that? Why is it that music is so related um, to the neshama? So that's, uh, Nachman explains in Torah Gimel, Kutmaran, and he explains that it's because there, Zayah HaKadosh tells us that there's a, a holy place that's described by the Zayah as uh, the place of Tutsi Purim, of the two birds. It's, it's uh, patterned after, of course, the two birds that are brought by the Mitzayra. The Mitzayra corrupted the Koyach of speech by uh, using it to speak Lashon Hara. Part of his Tahara process is that he has to bring two birds. Medrash explains he is, was running his mouth and speaking Lashon Hara about some, somebody else. Um, uh, and therefore, his Kapara process involves two birds, which are constantly chirping away uh, using the Koyach of speech. So, Mida, Kenegan Mida, part of his Tahara process involves these two birds. But the place of Nagina in Shemaim comes from this place of the two birds. That's where Nevuah emanates from as well. Um, is from the place of the Tutsi Parim. And the Tutsi Parim correspond uh, roughly, the Mepharshim on the Zayar HaKadosh explained, Rabbi Nachman cites it over here, correspond to Netzach and Hoid, uh, those two spheres of Netzach and Hoid. So somehow the relationship between Netzach and Hoid um, brings forth the Kayach of Nagina, which is also related to the Kayach of Nevuah. Rabbi Nachman writes that that's why the Chazan in Shul who sings Nigunim uh, comes Miloshan Chazoin, which is a vision of Nevuah. Not only because music precipitates Nevuah, but because somehow the two kaiches, the, the, two, the two powers, the two phenomenons, that of Nevuah, that of Negina, are somehow related. They come from the place in Shemaim of the Tutsi Purim, related to the tower process of the Mitzayra, that chirp away, that make noise, uh, which uh, correspond to Netzach and Hod. What is this all about? What's going on over here? A lot of times, we mentioned last time, in order to understand what Rabbi Nachman is talking about, you have to look at some of the other writings, either by Rabbi Nachman uh, or Rabbi Nassim's writings in the Kutei Halacha. So, not here, but um, later on, in Torah Reish Lamed Zion, in the Kutei Maran also, so Rabbi Nachman explains that the, one of the Shvatim, or the Shevet that's most associated with Negina, is Shevet Levi. In the Beis Hamikdash, the one who were the Mishayarim. There were two groups of Levians. Some were Mishayarim, some were the ones who guarded the Beis Hamikdash, the Harabayas. And then there were some who were Mishayarim, those who sang. Um, Sheva Levi is associated with, with Shira. Uh, and Sheva Levi, uh, the name itself implies um, being Malava as someone else. It comes from the Pesach Parashas Vayetze. After Leah has her first child, she thinks now her relationship with Yaakov Avinu will become. Uh, stronger, and that's what she says. She calls him Reuven, Ki Ra Hashem, Ki, what is it? Ki Ata Yavana Yishi. She says, Ra Hashem Asaniva, Ata Yavana Yishi. Kadishrach will see my affliction, and now Yaakovinu will love me. Then she calls him Shimon, Kisnua Noichi, that the fact that they had children together didn't kind of heal their relationships. But she says, when she has her third child, Hapam Yavana Yishi, Hapam Yavana Yishi, what does it supposed to say? Hapam Yavana Yishi, that's yeah, yeah. Now Yaakov will accompany me. Why? He'll be forced to, to be, to be together with me. Why? Because I had my fair share of the Shvatim. They all knew they were going to be four Imahos, 12 Shvatim. 
um, three to each one of the emotes. So she said, I had my fair share. Now Yaakov Avinu, you know, is bound to me. Um, you know, uh, and now my husband will be with me. So uh, the word Levi, or Milava, means to join two things together. Right? So Benachman, the Koyach of Nigin, is to bring two things together. Shevet Levi is associated with Nigina, the word Meshayrim. The word uh, Levi itself means to be Milava, which means to bring two things, two things together. And if you think about it, and this is the Mepharshim explained, um, that's because uh, in music itself, if you just dissect what music is, it's a series of notes, right? A series of beats. I guess if it's, there's words to it, so there's a series of, of words. Now, every note, every beat, um, exists independently. It's somewhat disjointed from the one that comes before it. And if you just analyze that one beat, that one note, um, in the present tense, you don't really see that much, uh, right? Uh, a, a noise is a noise. A sound is a sound. It's independent. Um, it only exists in the present. It doesn't tell you anything about the past. It doesn't tell you anything, you know, project anything about the future. However, when you have a song, when you have a rhythm, uh, that's all the notes, it's all the beats coming together in a series, which when that happens, you're able, then when I hear the tune, I could reconstruct what perhaps came before. Right? I have greater insight there. And I could also perhaps be able to predict what will come in the future. And in, the, in between, in every niggin, there's always cadences, there's always pauses, there's always blank, blank spaces. And when you have a niggin, though, right, there's kind of like this tune to it, there's a rhythm to it, I'm able now to fill in the blanks, to kind of reconstruct what came before and also to predict what came, what will come later on. And therefore, a niggin is associated with prophecy. Why? Because just like a niggin is able to fill in the blank spaces in the tune, it's able, I'm kind of able to kind of figure out what's coming and to figure out, you know, what came before. So that's what nevuah is all about. And therefore, Nagina is associated with Nebuah, not only because it puts me in the right mindset, opens up the mind and the heart for prophecy to set in, but also because it helps me fill in the blank spaces of life and to predict perhaps what's coming. But, but more than that, what a Nigan does is that not only gives a rhythm which then is able to fill in the blank spaces and predict what's coming or you know, kind of reconstruct what came, what came before um, and transcend time in that way, but uh, it also brings different disjointed things together, right? Each note, each beat is separated. When you put them as part of an igin, all of a sudden they're combined. They're combined. Um, so out of multiplicity, out of many different sounds, which if they would not be part of an igin, they would just be random beats, now all of a sudden they become part of one unified experience. So out of multiplicity comes unity. That's why what music is about is bringing things together. That's what Rinachim means. It brings things together because it brings the different sounds, the different beats together into one series. Out of multiplicity, you get unity. That's why, who's the one who taught us song? In Klal Yisrael, who's in the Imzmi Rosh Yisrael? Is David HaMelech. What is a king all about? A king is, he takes all the citizens and he is their representative for the entire nation. A king is the unity out of kind of that multiplicity. And when you do that, obviously it's greater than the sum of its parts. It's that song is more than just one beat, one beat, one beat. It takes it and makes it something that's even bigger than each one of the beats independently. So it's unity out of a place of, of multiplicity. And this is related to Netzach and Hoyt. How? What is Netzach? Just on a very basic basic level. Netzach means means uh, Nitzachon. means to win. It also is related to the word Nitzchius. This is not deep stuff. This is just basic. Nitzchius, which means something that's eternal, something that's immortal. Why? When people win at sports today, they talk about this like uh, colloquially, you know, they just throw this over. He's an immortal, yeah, because he's been famous for five years, you know. Okay, he's an immortal player. Babe Ruth is immortal because we've known about him and talked about him for a hundred years. The world has existed for, at least, as far as we're concerned, 6,000. They're concerned billions, and he's immortal. But okay. 
whatever it is. So there's people are chasing. They're chasing. They're grasping at immortality. And how do you grasp immortality when I win? When you win, you all of a sudden become something eternal. That's what Nitzachan is about. Netzach is about. That's the sphere of Netzach. But how does it get expressed in Avodah Hashem? What that is about is being koivish as Yitzroy. I'm battling with the Yitzhahara. The way Netzach gets manifested, Lamaisa, is to overcome the Yitzhahara. If I overcome the Yitzhahara, so then I'm grasping at Nitzchius. I'm grasping for something that's, that's truly not just a fleeting Hana, but something that has a little bit more uh, to it. So a little bit more truth to it, a little bit more, you know, something that's eternal about it. So that's the sphere of Netzach. What is Hoid? Hoid, so Hutner writes in the Pachet Yitzchak and Chanukah, which is, of course, Chanukah is related to Hoid. Hoida, it comes from the language of Hoida. Hoida means giving thanks. You're thanking someone else. Hakaras HaToyed. But it's also, Hoida is an admission. Every time you give thanks, you admit that I needed somebody else. There's somewhat of a, a humbling experience that involved in Hakaras HaToyed. The two are related. It's Hakaras HaToyed, which is a Toyda, I thank you. But it's also Hoida uh, Baldin. Uh, I'm also admitting the fact that I needed someone else. So uh, this gets expressed, Lamaisa, in giving thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, obviously, HaKaras HaToyed, but also in admitting the fact that we need the, we, we need the Reba Nishalayim. We find another expression of Hoid, though, when Moshe Rabbeinu descends from Arsinai, in Parashas Kisisa, we're told, he, well, yada Moshe Kikaran or Panav, his face was glowing. His face was glowing. Chazal described that glow of Moshe Rabbeinu's face as Karne Hoid. Karne Hoid. The horns of Hoid. Hoid. Why is that light called Hoid? Why is that? Why is light called Hoid? Hoid is Hoido. Hakar is Hoid. Hoid is admission. I, Hoid uh, that I need you. I need to rebundish the Lelem. What, how does that relate to Karne Hoid, that light? So Hutner explains in the Pachet Yisot, fantastic, that it's because it sounds like it's something that's modern, but it, not at all. It fits with contemporary psychology. But he explains that it's because when uh, you, normally in life we surround ourselves with defense mechanisms. I never want to admit weakness. So we're uncomfortable admitting I need someone else, that I'm fragile, that I'm vulnerable. I don't want to say that because I have, you know, I build walls around myself. Whenever you admit that I need someone else, I express a curse, I tell you, you lower those walls. What happens when you do that? It, you're exposing yourself, but you're also allowing yourself to be expressed. That light that Moshe Rabbeinu's face was shining forth was the inner light that was in Moshe Rabbeinu. Inner light is called Hoid. Why is it called Hoid? Because when I lower the defense mechanisms, the barriers that I have around myself, my inner light is able to shine. That's why the Zoya HaKadosh is called the Zoya light, because it represents the Pneumius HaTorah, which is the inner light of the Torah. When the inner light can shine, Rabbi Shimon Yochai, who taught us you know, many of the teachings of the Zoya, he's Yotzeit Zoya which is the inner light of the inner light. I revealed the inner light to us. What is that when you lower the defense mechanisms? When I say, I admit that I need you, all of a sudden my inner light is able to shine. That's the Midah, that's the Midah of Hoyt. Fine for that. So it says in Tikkun Zayar, it's a well-known comment. Tikkun Zayar ascribes all the different spheres to different parts of the body. Netzach and Hoyt, Tikkun Zayar says, correspond to the two legs. The two legs are Netzach and Hoyt. Deeper meaning to that, but in its most basic sense, the Goyen writes, in his commentary on Sifid Ditsenyusa, that it's because Netzach and Hoid need each other. You cannot walk without both legs. If you just have one, of course you could hop around. But if you want to walk effectively, you need both legs. You need both legs. They work in tandem. So too, says the Goyen, Netzach and Hoid work together. You kind of almost can't have one without the other. They have that kind of a partnership. Why? What does Netzach mean? To be victorious. In order to be victorious, someone else has to submit. Someone else, you know, is on the other end. You cannot be minatseach, you cannot be victorious unless someone else, you know, is admitting 
defeat. At the same time, you cannot express a karas hatoif to somebody else. You can't have hoid unless someone else has been providing you with something in exchange. Right? So hoid and netzach are inextricably linked. Just like the two feet, you cannot walk one without the other. You always need netzach and hoid to work in tandem, to work in tandem. However, on a deeper level, this is true as well. Netzach uh, is a part of every person, which is nischius, which is eternal. What is that? That's the neshama. We also have a part of ourselves, though, which is more fleeting, which is more temporary. That's the guf that's represented by hoid. And in order to function in this world, you need the partnership between them. You can't, the neshama alone cannot exist in the world. The body alone without the neshama is just a corpse. In order to, work, you know, to exist in the world, you have to have the merging, that pillow, the, the inexplicable creation made of putting the neshama together with the guf, partnering them in this way, even though they're fundamentally entirely different from one another. But only with that partnership can a person exist in the world. That's similar to Netzach and Hoid. Netzach and Hoid, like the two feet, you cannot walk without one foot and the other foot, even though they seem to be going in different directions. If you think about it, the feet are working against each other. As one foot moves forward, the other one stays behind. As one other foot moves forward, the other one stays behind. Wherever direction one is going, the other is going in the other direction. Same as the Neshama and the Guf, we're constantly going in different directions. But yet, they work in tandem and you need them together in order to function as a function within the world. The bringing together of the neshama and the guf is shira. Shira, nigin, is when you take different things, different notes, different beats, you bring them together in one rhythm, into one series. Therefore, Rabbi Nachman writes, not here again, in Tinyana, Chavdalet, Rabbi Nachman writes, life is a shira. Why is life a shira? Because again, you're taking things which are somewhat, you know, disjointed, bringing them together and partnering them together, kind of like the partnership of, uh, of Netzach and Hoyt. It's for that reason also the Torah is considered to be a shira. How is Torah a shira? This is Tanya writes in Parak Dawud. This is just the basics of Judaism. Tanya writes in Parak Dawud that a Kaddish Baruch Hu, as we know, is ain't soif. He's completely limitless. We cannot fathom, we cannot grasp, we can't even describe what the Rebbe Shalom is. We can't comprehend it. Kaddish Baruch Hu is endless. Ain't soif. But yet a Kaddish Baruch Hu condensed himself, consolidated himself, limited himself in the process, but he you know, placed himself in the Torah which is a physical way that we can relate to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. So Kaddish Baruch Hu took multiplicity and from that created unity. That's what the Torah is. The Torah is taking many different things, Ainsoif, limitless, and condensing it, consolidating it to something that's finite, which is the Torah. That's what Shira is about. That's what the Torah is referred to as a Shira. So Shira also has the ability to highlight this relation between the Neshama and the Guf. When the Guf and the Neshama are working together properly, the Neshama is Nitzchiyas, that's prevailing over the Guf, which is hard, and the Guf represents, acknowledges, submits to the Neshama, so then the Neshama is able to be expressed as the Guf lowers the boundaries, the, the walls that it's built around itself. So that's why Shira, which is the, for multiplicity, creating unity, highlights the partnership between the Neshama and the Guf, and through Shong, through Nigan, the Neshama is able, the Neshama is able to express itself. All right. Uh,